you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The Around the NFL podcast. Apparently is still a thing. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and sitting in the Chris Wessling chair. And my goodness, what a blessing. It's Colleen Wolf. What's up, Connie and the gang? Hello, hello, hello. That's a big day. I took a shower. I washed my hair. I brushed it and curled it. So, like, I am ready to go. Professional. Sounds like a lot of lies. <laughs> Dan was so Just threatened by your appearance, he put on a, a collared shirt and then now makes us true look story. No, Colleen is, looks like a true network anchor, which she is for NFL Network. And, uh, you know, of course, you can see her on... Uh, Thursday night football every week, uh, but apparently week six, not the case, uh, but every week going forward and good morning football on the weekend. And I had a t-shirt on and it just felt like Connie's going to show us up in general um, when it comes to the visual. But with my t-shirt on and Connie done up as the network anchor, it was looking a little bit absurd. Like, how did that guy get on camera? So I needed to clean it up just a little bit. Right. I mean, we're just avoiding the look here of Colleen with three high school dropouts. So the collar shirt helps. I appreciate that. Well, this was a power play on my part, and it looks like it worked. Connie wins again. We had, we had um, in high school, the kids that hung out on the side of Walgreens, and they were kind of like the dirtbags. Uh, they smoked cigarettes, and, and they were truant. And uh, that's kind of the vibe we they give off. And then Colleen's like the one, oh yeah, I just got into Penn and Columbia and Harvard. It's going to be a tough decision for me. We're the burnouts. Yeah. Meanwhile, I went to Drexel next to Penn. Nothing like Penn, but I <laughs> All right. Week six is here. How about that? And uh, we have a full slate of NFL action to dig into and preview. 
And you know how the uh, drill goes here. We have our Thursday preview. Uh, you could check us out on NFL Network on Saturday, a version of this program. And then on Sunday, it is the flagship program where we recap every game that we just previewed here. So let's dig into it. And we do it with a little flair, a little pizzazz, draft style. And Connie, this is your first Thursday show with us in some time. I'm, I'm even going to say maybe yeah. years years uh, because you are such a a star for the network now and you're connected to the biggest uh, entity we have Thursday Night Football so we're very happy to have you you will be picking first as an expansion franchise in our draft (laughs) setup so let it rip Connie Fox lucky me yeah no TNF this week but I was like I must be on television or on some (laughs) type of property on Thursday so here I am okay uh right off the bat number one overall pick I'm going straight to the afternoon window one of only two games being played and that's Packers going down to Tampa Bay. This game, I cannot wait for. I am planning my entire day around it. You have Aaron Rodgers, who has just looked incredible. The Packers are 4-0 for the first time since 2015. They're averaging 38 points per game, zero turnovers. And Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns last Monday, only six incompletions. He has half as many touchdowns uh, this year as he had all of last season. He's on pace for a ridiculous amount of touchdowns to throw something like 52 touchdowns to zero interceptions. And he's getting help back this week with Devontae Adams, who hasn't played since week two. That's when he hurt himself, his hamstring. Against the Vikings, though, week one, he was 14 for 156, two touchdowns. We know Alan Lazard's status is up in the air. But Robert Tanyan last week came out of nowhere, Mm. three touchdowns. He has five touchdowns through four weeks. He was the dude. And I am really interested, though, to flip it over to the Buck side of things here. I'm interested to see how Aaron Jones runs against this number one ranked run defense in Tampa Bay, especially after they lost Vita Vea in that Thursday night game against the Bears. Yeah, huge loss. A huge loss. He's one of the best players at, at any position, I think, early in the season, Vita Vea. And so you wonder how it changes. But they have a, a pretty good backup, a pretty good line. Uh, what is it? Uh, Roaches, uh, who has been playing really well. And it's also the toughest defensive backfield that Aaron Rodgers has placed. If you look at these cornerbacks, like people don't know them, Murphy Button and Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, but they're physical. And the Packers have not really played uh, a great secondary all year. Not, it's not taking anything away from what Aaron Rodgers has done. He's been amazing. But Todd Bowles will cook you up with some blitzes. He needs a little more help from the guys up front. Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, Mark Sessler's nemesis, Shaq Barrett, haven't totally been getting it done this year. Uh, but the defensive backfield for this team, I love it. They're young, they fly around, and they hit. And I think they're going to make it tougher on Rodgers than any game this season, Mark. Well, I made peace with Shaq Barrett. I, I, I was wrong in my, in my you know, calculations of him a year ago, uh, vastly. And so, you know, take a, take the L when you have to. But I would point to Jair Alexander in, in Green Bay's secondary, who when we last saw him in week four, erased Calvin Ridley, erased Tulio Jones. I mean, this was one of the better cornerback performances of the year. On the flip side of the ball, you're right, Colleen. They were missing all those guys on offense. And I have to give Matt LaFleur a ton of credit. It was one of the more creative game plans we've seen all year. They came out in week four with PFF's most efficient offense with a ton of guys out. They have Devontae Adams back. You know, a year ago and for many years, I've been down on the Packers because 
I'm not always wedded to these teams that get Uh-oh. predicted to go into the Super Bowl for 10 years in a row and never get there. And it's like, going to do it? Dial that back up over again. Is I'm going to lock gonna it say, up. I'm not Is he locking building it up. up to a I'm lock not here? locking it up. I'm, I'm nah. going to douse the Packers with a little bit of respect. I see this team completely differently than I did it. I did a year ago. They're complete. Nice Matt Lafleur has like a Super Bowl operation on his hand. They just got to keep rolling. I think they're going to take care of business here. They played a nearly perfect first quarter of the season, and you saw when you entered this year, there were teams that showed up underprepared and. They flamed out. The Packers were the opposite. They hit the ground running. And this stat uh, that I saw, Bob McGinn, who obviously is the king of Packers beat coverage, had this. Green Bay is the first team in NFL history to score at least 150 points without a turnover in their first four games. So not only are they lighting up teams well over 30 points a game, they're also playing mistake-free football. It, it's been perfect. And, you know, I do agree with you guys that the the Bucks are going to uh, pose a bigger challenge. I think Tom Brady's going to be super annoyed after what happened uh, the last time we saw him losing track of downs and all that. But I, I find it hard to pick against the Packers right now because they've been such a well-balanced machine. Hmm. And the Bucks are going to help them out, too, because all they do is get flagged. They have to clean up the penalties. They had 11 penalties last week for 109 yards. So that's something that needs to change. But I also, by the way, thought Ronald Jones was one of the kind of lone bright spots in that game, uh, in that TNF game against the Bears. He ran for 100, a little over 100 yards. He has back-to-back 100-yard games. So Rojo, let's uh, let's see if he can keep it going. He was moving well. Right. Yeah, I was impressed by him on Thursday night as well. And he's playing the best defense for it. We haven't mentioned the Packers' defense at all because it's not good. They're 29th in, in DVOA right now in efficiency. Like, Mike Patton and, and Mark Sessler went through this. Like, he seems to make his defenses just inviting you to run the ball against them. That's just what they do. And they, they'll they'll cook up some pressures, and they're pretty good in coverage. But I'm with you, Colleen. This feels like a Rojo game, a Leonard Fournette game. I like the Bucks to win this game. Oh, I, I look at they, that. They get them off the schneid. Rosenthal. The Bears had Cleo Mack, and he gave he gave Brady a lot of trouble. And you know you can maybe get to Brady in this, but I, I'm with you. The Packers defense last year was applying consistent heat, and they've got to do that to be productive. But their offense is kind of masking over all those issues. All right, looking Plus forward they get Chris to this Godwin one. Back, uh, he was at practice as well. I'm sorry, what was that, Connie? <laughs> Chris Godwin. He Chris Godwin, yes, one of the they, top. They have not had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin together for a full game yet this season. So, Colleen, I know you're used to being the host, and uh, but when the I host know. is trying to transition for you to step on it, that we're in a lot of trouble now as a show. But we're going to try to power was, through it. All right, I'm going to try to get the reins back of the show from Colleen after that power play. All right, and I will go with. Let's see. Oh yeah, hammer. A little Monday afternoon. Uh, football, late afternoon football, the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> at the Buffalo Bills. I got to be honest. I mean, name like a draft where you had someone in the first overall pick that was, you know, can't, turned out okay, and then a Hall of Famer went number two overall. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Love this game. The Chiefs humbled 
by the Raiders, their first loss since November last week. And, you know, they sprung some leaks. Let's be honest. Greg, you, you've you been on this a little bit. I'll give you credit that their offense, while they're still putting up points, something seems to be a little bit off there where they're just not clicking. They got shut out for most of the second half by a very, you know, suspect Vegas defense. And the Bills, I don't know what to make of the Bills. Mark and I spoke about it on our recap, uh, mini recap show uh, earlier this week. What do you make of like a Tuesday night game in a COVID-19 world where the team shows up flat and uninspired? You you got to give them some heat for getting a 40-burger dropped on them, but also maybe a little bit of a pass, especially with how well the Bills had been playing. But the big takeaway here, uh, Mark, is that one of these teams, the Chiefs and Bills, two Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, are going to be riding a two-game losing streak after Monday night. Yeah, I think there's a consistent issue with Buffalo's defense, and we saw it against Tennessee where they were just taking them to town with passes right up the middle, funneling right up the middle. And, I mean, this just is not the Buffalo defense that we're used to under Sean McDermott. But I will point to one thing about that Chiefs game. I know that it got away from them in the second half against the Raiders. They were up 21-10 to midway through the second quarter with a deep, beautiful, one of the better touchdown tosses we will see from Mahomes to Tyreek Hill that got wiped out by a flag. Which would have made it a a completely different game. I I give the Raiders all the credit for what happened in the second half, but I don't look at this. I'm not in panic mode over Kansas City's offense at this point. It's just been a notch below what we're, what we would have expected and probably what we expected coming out of week one where they were a knockout punch. Well, they were first in the league in, in net yards per attempt in 2018, His first, Mahomes' first year as a starter. They were first in the league when he was in the lineup, the, the non-Matt Moore games in 2019, and they're 12th right now. So they're, they're just not as efficient throwing the ball, but I'm with you. That throw to Tyree Kill was the best throw of the NFL season uh, right. so far. It was 70 yards down the field. This stuff is now happening on an almost weekly basis with Mahomes, and we're just like, oh, that's normal. That's Hang on, that was, that, was, that was 66 yards, Greg. Come on, let's be fair. Okay, I don't <laughs> even care. I'm counting at 70. I'm rounding up. It's 2020. Let me have me, my fun. And he had a couple throws. Um, that just let you know who he is. But it's almost like the balance of how much he's going to improvise, how much he's going to go a little crazy Mahomes and just make up some wild stuff uh, is a little out of whack right now. He's almost counting on that too much. I think Josh Allen is actually a little more in line of staying within the system. They're, they're similar quarterbacks in some ways in that they have to sort of have that balance. Aaron Rodgers has struggled with that over the years, whether how much do you make up, how much do you do in scheme. They need to do a little more in scheme. Let your boy Colleen Andy Reid like, get his play calls in and just follow him. I know, that's true. And watching the Chiefs, I saw a huge drop-off when Kaleche Osemele went down in that game, who was already filling in for Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who opted out of the season because of COVID. Mike Remmers came in, and the Raiders were able to pressure Mahomes over and over again. He couldn't get anything going in the second half. They only scored eight points in that half, and the Bills' D-line is super talented, so I think that could be a huge factor. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Mahomes was pressured 16 times. I mean, that is the second most pressures he's had uh, in a game in his NFL career. And is that a – what is going on there? Is that on Mahomes for holding, holding the ball, the ball too ball. long, trying to make plays? Is that an offensive line that maybe we're overlooking as being overrated and now you have no assembly? He was off to that hot start, as Colleen said. Very interesting game. And Josh Allen, I am not – like I said – 
Tuesday Night Football. Weird. Kind of dumb. But that's 2020, which is weird and dumb. Uh, he did a look a little bit like the Josh Allen of the first two years of uh, wow. his career with some of the scattershot accuracy and the mistakes. I'm not saying I'm going to put too much into it. He also had some big throws uh, that very few quarterbacks can make. I want to see if he kind of now back on more of a normalized schedule. Uh, delivers the type of MVP level Josh Allen performance that we had seen in the early weeks of the season. All right, up next in the draft, Greg Rosenthal. All right, uh, next up, uh, let's take the Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and mm. the San Francisco 49ers. I think this is one of the biggest early games of the season. Uh, because it's a it's a part where okay it's not just two good teams it's the NFC champion from a year ago possibly getting knocked to the ground and really in a position where they're not going to be able to come back in the NFC West it reminds me so much of when the Rams and the 49ers played in Week Six a year ago and that was the game and we watched it from London remember those times you could get on airplanes the good old days uh, we watched it from London on on TV and we thought. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the 49ers are just taking the Rams lunch money and this is going to continue. Like, I don't think the Rams are going to recover from this. They never did. And now the Rams are the team that are bullying teams that are running the ball really well. It's the 49ers who have the offensive line problems. It's the 49ers who the pass rush is like a little out of whack. And you sort of think that Sean McVay, and he said as much, they responded, I think, to what the 49ers did a year ago. And they say, we want to be a little more like that. We want short passing. They're 30th in attempts, which is crazy for for a Rams team. Uh, we want Jimmy, Jared Goff to be a little bit like 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo. Just stay out of the way and let our tough guys win it. And that's what they're doing. And they can deliver a knockout blow right now to the 49ers. I'm excited for this one. You know, Greg, I would say the one difference, though, I mean, there are a lot of differences. But when we watched that game in London, and that was the game where Robert Salah started to take Salah, hold of Salah. his pump, his, his fist pumping on the Salah. sideline, right? Right? So that was a yes, big thing. But they did not have... Game. He was going mad. This secondary is shredded. And if you go back and watch that Dolphins incineration of San Francisco, I mean, over and over, I kept seeing this guy, number 48 in San Francisco's secondary, getting flamed by Fitzpatrick in the passing game. And it was a practice squad cover man, Brian Allen, who brought up, and at this point is probably working in a convenience store somewhere because it was he was victimized over and over. I feel bad for the guy because it was a tough spot. In that same game, you have George Kittle two weeks ago going 15-183 with a touchdown, down to four catches, 44 yards. They just were not on their game. I think Raheem Mostert is one of the better running backs in the league. He's another week out from his injury. He'll be healthier. I, I am not giving up on this Niners team yet, but this is a tough draw with Los Angeles. I'm very worried about the Niners' offensive line. Greg, you mentioned it, and we just saw Jimmy G. He got pulled at halftime in the blowout loss to the Dolphins because of that ankle to protect him. Kyle Shanahan said that he was going to continue to monitor the whole situation, but Aaron Donald is on the other side of this thing, and he's coming off another NFC Defensive Player of the Week award. He leads the league with seven and a half sacks, is tied for first with quarterback hits, third in TFLs. He's on pace for 24 sacks, Dan. So watch Do out, it. Michael Strahan. You uh -oh. have to see what he Do did. It. No, I'm not locking it up. Sorry. Not doing it. Not doing it. I have another one in store for you guys. But uh, Aaron Donald had four sacks last week against Washington. And this offensive line for San Francisco, they give up the fourth most sacks in the NFL. They they have just not done a good job. Think communication has been off, and when you have Aaron Donald on the other side and Jimmy G potentially not 100%, that could be an issue. 
the whole world is rooting for you, Aaron Donald. Make the sack record great again. I'm with you, buddy. Get 24. Yeah, below 21 and a half out of the water, whatever it is. Two things. Uh, adventures in uh, football, punditry, uh, dummy dumb. Both from this game. Number one, the what? theory that it's dummy okay. Dumb. It's okay that Nick Mullins bombed out a little bit. Uh, because Jimmy G's back now and he's going to be fine and now there's no quarterback controversy. Well, what happens when Jimmy G stinks out the joint and his ankle still hurts and now you got Nick Mullins who's shell-shocked and C.J. Beathard who's, you know, C.J. Beathard. So that was a dumb theory uh, propagated by this podcast and me as well. The other one, the idea going into the season that the Rams were a franchise in transition. Don't take the Rams too seriously this year. They have cap problems. They don't have a lot of draft uh, stock right now. They're they're kind of rebuilding a little bit while trying to stay competitive. No, the Rams are a real NFC contender right now. I love this Ram teams. I hate I hate where the Niners are right now. I think they're catching them at the right time. I think the Niners are taking a dirt nap, and that's why you put it all together. I'm locking it up. The Los Angeles football Rams uh, will wipe the floor with the Niners up there in the wine and cheese bar. All right, we have come now to the end of the first round. Mark. You're up. You know, I think that you all expect me to go a certain way with this, uh, the Browns. Cleveland fan inside of me. Yeah. But I'm going to go in a Browns. different direction. Mm. Okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to go Bears at Carolina Panthers. I watched wow. this Panthers <laughs> game against the Falcons last week, and my Matt Rule fascination, I think we are, we're, we're well aware of it, it's growing. Everyone thought this is a team, they're going to be 2-14. and 14. It's a rebuilding job. It's going to take, you know, four or five years. Then we'll see what he's doing with this squad. <laughs> Suddenly, they're 3-2, and two, and they're playing, you know, Wait, not who all said that, by the teams way? are created equal. Who said equal, that they okay? were going to take four or five years? You after. did, Dan. Admit I, it. You said yeah, it. I mean, most you didn't people, believe. Most people were like, they have an excuse the to go 1-15. I heard Dan well, say this. Yeah, Not true. You know what? Look it. I don't Dig care what any of you said about it. Here's the point. This. Well, then offense, if it was just me, the then more, say it was me, not everyone. I don't think it was just you. I think I, I think there were columns written that Carolina had the built-in excuse with COVID and coordinators that had never been at the NFL level, blah, blah, blah. And instead, they're just beguiling opponents. They are three and two because they have one of the more intriguing offenses in the league right now. I mean, Robbie Anderson is working out. He's had 99 plus yards in like eight games in a row. Teddy Bridgewater fits here well. DJ Moore, yards after the catch guy. And what do you do with Mike Davis when Christian McCaffrey comes back? Mike Davis is one of the more fascinating backs I've watched like in the last three or four weeks. He's a tough runner. Their defense, which people thought would just be left out at sea, is doing pretty well as well. And you know what? Not all four and one teams are created equal. And I'm looking at you bears i'm not buying it right now and that's why i confidently confidently will be locking up i'm not going to go take one of these undefeated teams in a lock i'm locking up the carolina panthers because their playoff journey is just beginning wow wow mark i'm a little worried though about the panthers defense they have a lot of key injuries right now k1 there's nothing to worry about for the the season with the shoulder injury. <laughs> Both edge rushers were held out of practice this week. Uh, early in the week, at least, Brian Burns has a concussion. Yitor Gross Matos has the ankle injury. You have Dante Jackson, who was limited in the back end and the secondary. There's there's a lot to maybe be anxious mm. about, but I love how confident you are in this. You're making me, you're talking me off the ledge, Mark. I'll say, I'll say one thing. Like, the Bears' offense will leave you less worried. I mean, they specialize in scoring 20 points or under and just waiting for their defense 
defense to capitalize with a big play or a defensive turnover that turns into a touchdown. I don't trust Chicago's offense at all. That's the point here. Yeah. How can you? The best play, the best thing I saw from the Chicago offense this year was Nick Foles like yelling at Matt Nagy. Like him just saying, no, let's do it this way. Stop calling these plays. I want to do a hurry up. Trust me, I won the Super Bowl. I'm not even joking that that moment gave me some confidence. Like maybe Foles can lead them out of this because when you watch them, it's a tough watch. Uh, I'm with you, Mark. I like the Panthers in this game. Uh, the the Bears miss Tariq Cohen too much. When K- Tariq Cohen is out and like that ha- really hamstrings your offense, that's a problem. And the, the Panthers, I think, can mitigate what the Bears do well, which is rush the passer. They get rid of the ball so quickly. Like, Teddy has not been touched. Sometimes the offensive line is about coaching. It's about the scheme. Uh, and I don't think you'll hear much. Robert Quinn's been quiet lately. Akeem Hicks isn't quite the same as he was before the injury. So it's really just Khalil Mack. I think the Panthers can get a win here. And they, they can prove the doubters like Dan Wrong. It's been a tough one for you, Dan. I am not putting I, this I on know. Dan. I'm, Dan, really, Dan, I'm really struggling with this uh, because I understand that the Panthers are the greatest team in the history of professional football now because they've beaten a, a couple teams. They are. Uh, and I would have actually, to be completely honest with you, I wanted to lock the Panthers up in this game because I like the way the Panthers play and I don't like this Bears team very much. But I know it means so much to Mark and Greg that they have this corner that I, I don't want to be on your corner. So I no, jumped Dan, off I would it, invite so. Dan, Dan because so nice to, like Dan's, to, ma- to make sure, Dan, that that's not just a, like a, a, a device on your part, I welcome you to come lock up. It's no, great to no. lock up together. Come no, I don't want to do that. Do? I want you, you know? to enjoy this, this moment. I, I think the Panthers are playing great football. I, you know, okay, so maybe they're not going to go 3-13 and 13 and... and improve as the season goes along but still be a bad team but I guess I'm not ready to say that the Panthers are some like supremely great team I think they've caught some teams at the right time I think when the schedule tightens up like the Saints next week we might see a very different result maybe I'll be wrong but this seems like it's shaping up for another great setup for all the the Panther supporters on this podcast because I don't think the Bears are very good hmm don't think so. We're not going to win, Greg. We're not going to win with Dan here. So just Mark you gotta, was you inviting you, Dan, to lock it up, and Dan's basically doing the equivalent of "Hold me back. I'm not going to do it." So I respect that. <laughs> I don't. I just. It doesn't feel right. Uh, okay. Uh, up next, Mark on the snake. Well, and you know the reason I didn't have to go Cleveland at Pittsburgh is because I knew I had two picks in a row. So let's be real about that. This game has me a little scared, and I, I've, I've been like not jumping on the Browns thing yet because you have to beat these teams in your own division. They were handled by Baltimore. I know that feels like a long time ago. Going into Pittsburgh where they have not won since 2003. I watched that game a billion years ago at my parents' house on like a vacation from like a terrible job I was on in Los Angeles. So it's been a long time. And I'll tell you something else. This is a study in contrast. This Browns team has scored 30 points four games in a row for the first time since, like, the FDR administration, all right? But the Steelers have not allowed 30 since the opener of last year when the Patriots waxed them. The Browns' offense leads the NFL in big plays, but we've seen their defense, and they've also allowed an AFC-high 12 touchdown passes. The Browns have this great offensive line, but Baker Mayfield is a little banged up, and I'm worried about T.J. Watt, Bud Mm -hmm. Dupree, Cam Hayward, Mm -hmm. Stephon Tewitt, the whole cast and crew that has made a cottage industry out of beating up on the Cleveland Browns. There, since 2000, the Steelers lead this series 34-6-1. I thought that the only series that might have a more lopsided scenario would be Jets-Patriots, and that's 31-11, just a little bit better than than Cleveland-Pittsburgh. So, Dan... 
that tells me that this is one of those games where psychology for the Browns fandom plays in. This would be a huge win for Cleveland to go 5-1, and one, take care of Pittsburgh, and take care of a team that has psychologically destroyed you since I was a youth. Let's do this, or what do I do? I have to be measured again in my, in my look at the Browns going into a week later. This is a huge hashtag statement game for the Browns. If they can go to Pittsburgh, and we don't talk about this much on our, on, on our show here, but the desert people are giving the Browns respect. There's an idea here that the Browns can do this because, like you were saying, they make they have big plays on offense. Their defense is opportunistic. They're turning the ball over. And to me, this is because I think he's one of the more interesting figures in the NFL, and not just because of his prolific advertising work. Baker Mayfield is just like kind of an interesting <laughs> dude uh, to track in his career. And I I think this is a, a fascinating game for him uh, because we talked about it their previous game. He was awesome in the first half. He was not good in the second half. And he got banged up uh, with a rib injury. So you wonder where he's at health-wise. And you wonder if he is up for the challenge to win a game for the Browns if he has to. Uh, if the running game's not clicking against the very good Steelers defense on the road. I can't wait for this one. Hmm. This Steelers defense, though, leads the NFL in sacks. They have they average right. five sacks a game, 20 total. That's having played one fewer game than 90% of the league. And, Mark, you wow. talked about it. T.J. Watt and Bud <laughs> Dupree, they've combined for seven and a half sacks, a forced fumble, an interception through four games. But this Browns offensive line, these tackles – Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills Jr., they're probably the best that the Steelers have faced so far. Baker's only been sacked six to- or seven times. That's sixth fewest in the league. So, I don't know. We know that the guard Wyatt Teller, who is kind of taking the league by storm, I feel like he's one of the trendiest guards <laughs> in the NFL right now. He's week to week with a calf strain. Uh, so, I am really interested to see how they hold up against this relentless Steelers defense. Right. Their protection has been so good. It's one of the reasons why I don't think Baker Mayfield has been any better this year than, than a year ago. I, I think he's like a little worse. It, it really is a reminder of how much your surroundings matter. He's had some moments, but he, he's been a little erratic. It's really surprising both these teams are so good right now with their quarterbacks playing like against type. Like Big Ben is not hitting any throws down the field. Mark mentioned it last throw. He, he's more like Big Breeze. Like, that's his style right now. It's these little <laughs> game manager, really smart before the snap. Like, he's he's Big Breeze. I Trademark mean, that. 2020 Big Breeze. Let's give him 2019 Breeze. That's fine. Like, it's working. They're, they're efficient. And, but uh, you could, spell, sort of, you could spell it with, like, like Breeze the Wind and then have a little graphic mm-hmm. element to it. Big Breeze yeah. is a new nickname for Big Ben, and I think it could stick. Money Badger style. I, I, I want to ride this thing. I'm going to make T-shirts. We need some extra money here in uh, in the COVID times. It's hard times out there. Make Mark, those get Steelers NFL. fans to buy that Big shirt. Green. I don't think Steelers fans are. Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Pick the game and the score. Well, I had a chat with our good friend Dave Damashek, and I picked that Cleveland would win in overtime 34-31. I have mm. picked against them week after week. I just want to be optimistic and put good energy out there. And that's worked in the past you know, 25 years for me, so <laughs> why would it not work again this time? All right, you heard it here first. The Brownies 5-1, and one, knocking the Steelers from the ranks of the unbeaten. Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. The draft rolls on with Greg Rosenthal. Mm, I feel bad doing this with Colleen on the show, but I'm taking the Eagles game, hosting oh, the, the Ravens. You can have it. 
I mean, it, you're not even going to be on our Sunday show. So this is the game I want to watch early. <laughs> cool. Because it's going to have dagger Lamar there Jackson. for no reason from Rosenthal. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of shots right now. Sorry. It's, right. it's just uh, how I was raised for some we reason. Love you uh, Lamar Jackson is like the most explosive player in the league, and he's making explosive plays every week, but the Ravens' offense is not nearly the same as it was a year ago. They are below average right now on Football Outsiders DVOA in terms of their offense efficiency. They're 17th in the league. It's it's a little hard to imagine, but when you watch them struggle a week ago against the Bengals, you start to think, I, I don't know if there's a book out there for it, for Lamar Jackson, but they're doing a much better job slowing down his running and the Ravens running game. And it's, it's no secret that that's kind of the base of where their offense starts. They have a lot of really good things going on still with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown and explosive plays and these great blitzes. But Jim Schwartz, your boy, Colleen's going to take a look oh at this and they have some pass rushers. And I think they're going to look for ways to slow down the running game and maybe have some answers for the Ravens. I think the anxiety meter should be through the roof uh, with this game with Lamar Jackson and the Eagles linebackers situation. This is a game where, I mean, really, this is an entire season where the Eagles linebackers, they've struggled. They failed to address that position in the offseason, and it showed for sure. But they haven't really faced any mobile quarterbacks yet this season. Maybe Joe Burrow is probably the most. He has 85 rushing yards. But beyond that, they face Dwayne Haskins, Jared Goff, Nick Mullins, and C.J. Beathard, and then Ben Roethlisberger. So none of those guys are are truly mobile like Lamar Jackson is. And then, of course, as you mentioned, they have Mark Andrews, too, who this is an Eagles team who has allowed the uh, – they've really struggled against tight ends. They've allowed the fifth, mo- fifth most catches, the sixth most receiving yards, the third mm. most touchdowns. So that could be an issue. So maybe a get-right might- game for this Ravens offense. But, yeah, Greg, you said it that Lamar Jackson, the most explosive player in the league. From a skill set stand- standpoint, yes. From what we saw last year, yes. But that's like week five jumped out to me how his athleticism had been compromised somehow uh, by the game plan of his opponent. He had three rushing yards in in week five. Three! I mean that's speaking of like yeah. that's Philip Rivers level rushing total. Oh. So they need I mean it is for like a game. So it's it, it makes you wonder what what they need to do in that building in Baltimore to to unlock this because if there is a book out here on slowing down Lamar Jackson, you have plenty of time to figure out how to solve that. Uh you have 10 or 11 games here. Uh, but he is not nearly the same player as he has been uh, last year. So it's going to be a challenge for a Ravens coaching staff that you have all the faith in the world in, but to get this going in the right direction again. I would also like to see things getting in the right direction for Carson Wentz. And I know that they faced the Steelers defense last week, and we just talked about them and their pass rush. But And this is a thing with Carson Wentz sometimes. I just feel like there were a couple plays last week where he was walking into danger, walking into sacks. Mm. I tweeted that it seemed kind of like in the horror film where like the girl goes back into the house where the killer is and walks up the stairs. Like we, we all know you shouldn't be doing this, but you're doing it and we know how it's going to end up. And you know, Wentz still makes his plays, but I know that, you know, they've got everyone injured all the time, but this offense to me outside of like a big Miles Sanders run and a little bit of our man Fulham, like they just don't seem to have much going on. And I, 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 they're a tough watch right now. And that's been the case, Colleen, it feels like it's been the case for a long time for this Eagles offense. (sighs) 
I know. What about Fulgham, Connie? I am Connie? excited, though, about Travis Fulgham. Yeah, this yeah. guy, he has such an interesting story. And the Eagles, I feel like, are a team that plays so much better when they're essentially in a choke zone, when their backs are up against the wall. I'm going to throw out the old cliche. Do but it. it's true. They play better with their backups. And hmm. Fulgham is a guy that came out of nowhere. I feel like last week it was the Chase Claypool, Travis Fulgham showdown uh, with the Eagles <laughs> and the Steelers. But Carson Wentz, he almost takes another hit at this point without even being in the game because Lane Johnson, we just found out, is also playing through a painful ankle injury. So he probably shouldn't even be out there because they probably want that to heal and get right and not have anything, any further setbacks with it. But with the way that they started the season and with the way that this offensive line is, they have to have Lane Johnson out there. It's been He's a- the key. He's the most important player, I think, on their team other than other than Wentz is Lane Johnson. They are not the same. Like, the backup at left tackle is kind of working out. At right tackle, forget about it. Uh, but they're kind of in a weird spot because they're in the NFC East. It doesn't even feel like their backs are against the wall. They can lose these games, and then the real season starts when they play the NFC East starting next week. And I would say I agree with Mark that Wentz continues to make killer mistakes is the second interception, I believe, came on a desperation heave. But the third quarter interception, it's being compounded by he has these ill-timed second-half turnovers. They're happening in the third quarter at lots. And then the defense immediately lays down after that, and it turns into like a completely game-changing type situation. But the silver lining I saw, in addition to Fulgham and the idea that Jalen Rager comes back and maybe one of these veteran guys gets back in the mix, Deshaun or Alshon, uh, and, and, and stabilizes this offense. There was a stretch there once Carson Wentz got going. It was a rough first half, uh, where he really looked like himself in the second half of that game. And what you, it, what you want is for him to build off that and get on a hot streak because he can do that. And this is going to mm. be a really big, uh, test for him. But, uh, I, I know there's, there is a lot of reason to be worried about Wentz. He's now like blown past his career high in interceptions, but I thought I saw a glimmer in there. I don't know I'm if you saw you. that, uh, but I thought I saw it in there in that, in that loss. Little flash. Little flash. Let's see if he can not, build not on it. Not enough Zach Ertz, though. We don't, we're not seeing any zim- glimmers out of Zach Ertz. To me, no. that's the bigger problem. Throwing the ball to Zach Ertz has been the worst play in football this year, like statistically. Like, it, it's I think, a problem. It, it, yeah, it's, the, it, it's what Eagles fans are talking about. It really is kind of shocking how slower and not strong he looks. The glimmer was Chase... Claypool absolutely taking Jalen Mills to town like over and over and over like a wild horse running through Philly's secondary. It's a good thing they don't see him for at least four more years. That was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, let's move on. The old Zeuser in the cat bird seat. Is that what it is? The I guess. I mean, wherever person. you want to sit. Wherever you want to sit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's go with the Arizona Cardinals at Dallas Cowboys. That is my next selection in this draft, Monday Night Football. Um, All right, so here's my theory. And we talked about it on uh, Sunday's recap show. I love this as the ultimate. I know, unfortunately. Greg has decided you're not invited, but uh, that was not run by the rest of the group. You can come, please. Please come, Colleen. Add some more work to your schedule. This is the ultimate test of the Dalton scale. I can't wait to see how Andy Dalton plays for the Cowboys. Uh, because if Dalton, as the great Chris Wessling uh, has propagated for years, is the prime meridian of NFL quarterbacks, a man who rises and falls 
at the level of the players around him, well, then Andy Dalton's going to ball out here in Dallas. I know the offensive line Mm. isn't nearly as good, and that is a concern, especially with Lyle Collins now out for the year, that just it's not the same group that it used to be. However, um, you have an all-pro running back, and you have the best trio of wide receivers in the league, and I believe that Dalton, and by the way, this just turned into a fantastic contract year for Andy Dalton now. He gets a chance to show that he could put up points and hit the open market. I believe it was a one year deal with the Cowboys. Yep. So here is the game to watch because the Cardinals defense is a defense that he should be able to thrive against, especially with Chandler Jones now out for the year with a biceps injury. That's a killer loss for the Cardinals. So that's where I'm looking. Andy Dalton lighten up the cards and getting Cowboys fans excited that there is hope to 2020. Mm. Yeah. And they're hoping they can get Devin Kennard back too, with Chandler Jones being out for the season. That would, that would be huge for them at least to get a little bit of help in that department. But you mentioned the Cowboys offensive line, not being anywhere near what it used to be, especially now for Andy Dalton stepping in. They don't have Tyron Smith or Lyle Collins, as you mentioned. They have two undrafted rookies in their spots there, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele. And they also have a rookie starting at center in Tyler Biadish. So this is not the same type of protection that Dak Prescott, the Cowboys, used to have before. Now Andy Dalton's going to have to figure it out. Mm. And that starts with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he his, his scrimmage yards, the percentage that they're really using him for, 22%. He's only accounted for the Cowboys scrimmage arts. That's 28th in the NFL. That's way down mm. from how they normally utilize him. Since his rookie year, he's averaged at least 29% of the scrimmage yards, wow. which is third most. So we should hopefully me, see an uptick uh, in his usage. Can I just throw one one caveat to that is that they've been playing from behind a lot this terrible defense. I think they've gotten True. out of their game script True. a whole bunch this year. It makes sense, Greg. You mentioned it, that they're going to get Zeke more involved now with Dak out. Well, I think that's how they turned the game around last week. They were down 17-3, and instead of throwing the ball all over the yard, they went on a seven-minute drive against that Giants defense that was almost all Zeke, and that's what helped turn that game around. I'm with you, Colleen, but I also think they'll take advantage of the matchups on the outside. To me, that's the biggest mismatch in this game. The, The Cardinals' cornerbacks have struggled this year. Patrick Peterson came into the year... You know, really wanted to have a, a rejuvenated season. It, it isn't happening for him right now. They have Drake or Patrick on the other side, who they signed pretty late in the game, the former Bengal. He's struggling right now. And then you take out Chandler Jones, as you mentioned. It's like, that is a major mismatch. Amari Cooper can light them up. Gallup can light them up. CeeDee Lamb's doing it in the slot every week. That's a little tougher matchup against Arizona. But I kind of like uh, Andy Dalton to have a nice night on Monday night. Can't you just, like, imagine the announcers saying, nobody thought they could do it without Dak and their totally. was like, well, actually, plenty right. of people thought it could well, it's, happen. It's a nice Teddy Bridgewater from last year. Right. It's a nice upgrade from when Brandon Whedon would step in for Tony Romo and you knew that the ship was going to sink <laughs> in about four and a half minutes. But I, I want to see more from Kyler Murray. I mean, our uh, wonderful producer, Jason Kleiman, uh, spoke in my ear to remind He's you fine. guys that he has never lost at Jerry World dating back to his high school exploits. But Oh, Wait, no, Kleiman is feeding information in your ear? I don't get that. Yeah. Is that he individual like, to Cessler? He just said be a star, star like with this information. Stats, they love those stats. We're going to hear that all well, week long. I like <laughs> anything Jason says. How about I start right there, Greg? You can flame our producer on network television. That feels like a great idea for your career. How about Kyler Murray's career? All right? I, I want to see this offense become what it could be against a defense. <laughs> Listen, he gets the train back on the tracks. I love it. Kyler... 
Kyler Murray played the Jets last week, and everyone wants to come out saying, oh, he had a career-high 380 yards. That's fine. He and DeAndre Hopkins got hot at the end of the game. What I watched in that game was a Cardinals offense that just seems a little bit off to me. The ground game is hot and cold. I don't think you necessarily have a 1A or a, a true starting running back there. You've got two good ones. And outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I don't trust a lot of the other receivers here. So this mm. is a game where it's let's get back on track, Cliff Kingsbury and company. All right, let's move on. Colleen, you are up next. Okay. So, you know what? <laughs> this one was <laughs> buying some time here. Not a big deal. Uh, this game was postponed last week, and I am ready for it. I don't like that I had to wait. And it looks like both teams should be getting their starting quarterbacks back. I'm going Ooh. with Broncos. And Patriots here, Cam Newton removed off the COVID-19 reserve list on Wednesday. So he's tracking to play. And in his three starts this season, look, we know how well he played. He was completing 68% of his passes, which is a career high for him. 714 passing yards, 149 rushing touchdowns, and a team high four touchdowns. So... You have this team in the Broncos that they haven't faced a mobile quarterback yet this season. So Cam Newton, mm. we know how he trans really transforms this entire Patriots offense. And then Drew Locke, he should be back at practice, uh, back in the game as well. He was back at practice. He was sidelined since week two. We saw how things went with Brett Rippon and Jeff Driscoll in the game and did not go well. So hopefully this will be a little bit juicier with both starting quarterbacks back on the field. It should. We get Stefan Gilmore back most likely too. He was he was back at the Patriots facility on Thursday. You figure he's gonna match up against Jerry Judy, and if Gilmore can take away Judy, then Locke, who's he looking for? Noah Fant is uncertain at this point. To me, he is such a key engine to this offense. So you have to watch his status. But you hear Bill Belichick talk about Vic Fangio's defense the last two weeks, you know, singing uh songs about it. I'm I'm with them. He it's it's amazing how well coached this Broncos defense is, and they've gotten better each week. Bradley Chubb is starting to look healthier. I think they can slow the Patriots down. It's a really a run-first Patriots team, and that kind of invites these close games at the end, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case uh, on Sunday. There, there's one little X factor here. The Broncos had their bye week taken away. I know it's like we get it. They're millionaires. They're making a ton of money. They don't need to go on a big vacation during corona time. That would agitate me. If suddenly I had my vacation week <laughs> taken away, I'm going to be charged to go teach New England a lesson. Well, the Patriots I, I'm not did kidding. too. They, the Patriots they are, did too. The, those players said how annoyed they were. I really think this is a factor. A little bit on my radar Frank, that the I Patriots game. I can't you're going to disrespect. Go yeah, the Patriots game gets postponed so Cam Newton could get better and back in the lineup. I, I'm not reading. Well, into Drew Locke came in. You, you think Brett Rippon? Oh was yeah. Oh, light Drew up the Locke's Patriots? back for the Broncos. Let me lock this one up for Denver. Come on now. <laughs> a little bit of a difference between Drew Locke and Cam Newton. Connie, it's snakes to you. Okay. Oof. I'm ready. I know exactly what game I'm taking. I'm going straight to Tennessee, <laughs> and I'm going Texans-Titans in this one. Tennessee nice one. defense Good value. to play and party. Thank you very much. Uh, last week, they held the Bills, which was a top five offense coming into the game. I think they were ranked fourth coming into the game. They held them to a season-low 16 points, and Derrick Henry was just out there snatching souls. And I feel like that is something that can continue <laughs> this week against the, Tekken, the Texans' second 
to worst run defense in the entire league. Mm. All of these teams have ran all over them. They're allowing 160.4 rushing yards per game. They allow three individual 100-yard rushers. We saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire do it. We saw James Conner. Derrick Henry, he's going to be next. Alvin Cook was in there as well. So I think that this is a game that the Titans could win so handedly. Ooh, wait a second. I'm locking this one up, especially with A.J. Brown back in the mix. Give me the Titans is the lock of the week. Look at wow. you, Connie. You know, it's funny. The the stiff, stiff arm heard round the world, Derrick Henry on Josh Norman. You know, it it's, it humanizes a little bit because we have worked with Josh Norman in a professional mm-hmm. capacity with Sky Sports for Super Bowl coverage. And when you look into the man's eyes uh, from up close and you have conversations with a person, when you see his soul taken on national television, <laughs> yeah, it, do- it doesn't feel it's not, it doesn't give you that same charge as if he was just a perfect stranger. It did, it no, did prevent me friends, from like family, neighbors. Right. He has all those things <laughs> just like us, Mark. You, well, no, but you see these. You know, now it's becoming a thing where there's a, a picture of the the, the Earth's glo- the Earth in, in space, and like that that um, freeze frame picture of Josh Norman being tossed away from the Earth. And it's like my thing was, you're right, Dan. I like this guy was a nice guy to us. Um, he was a pro, and uh, you know, got paid a little bit more than us too. And I I respect him, so I was like, I'm not retweeting that. Like, I, I, it's different when you meet these guys. It truly is. Mark giving away Sky Sports financial uh, disclosure. <laughs> They'd be surprised. <laughs> I love this. You know what the the crazy thing is that the next run that Derrick Henry had, not that I needed any more proof that he's one of the biggest badasses to ever play in the NFL, but it almost proved it more than that stiff arm because his next carry, you saw Tremaine Edmonds of the Bills, that their middle linebacker, kind of want to get revenge. Like, you just clowned us. I'm going to come after you. And he came with the biggest running start possible to try to just, like, deliver one on Henry. And he just sort of bounced off him. And Henry gained about three more yards and got the first down <laughs> after that. Like, there is – I've never seen a running back quite like Derrick Henry – Maybe Brandon Jacobs, but but Henry's just like right. so much more dynamic. Like, is it December right now? Because that's it's weird too because like. he's it averaging like he's is, averaging he's like not even playing that well this year. Carry. <laughs> right, he's not. He's not even playing that well. Their running yeah. game hasn't gotten going. The last week actually reminded me, it, or at least made me think this year. If I could choose, if I was a Titans fan and I could choose AJ Brown on the field or Derrick Henry, I think AJ Brown's more important. Because they're a pass-first team. That's how they're winning these games. And A.J. Brown is so impressive. They're just a different passing game when he's out there. I love that you said that, Greg, because I think Arthur Smith and I know Dan that we we talked about that he sounds like he's the front you know the front man for like a painting company somewhere. But I he is a he is a interesting <laughs> he a play caller because he needs a nickname. But he, like they they Fred came X. out no. they came out leaning heavily on their play action and like they Tannehill has been really, really good in this offense. I mean, I just think he is one of the tougher, grittier dudes out there. He is fine taking a gigantic shot and throwing it and completing it 40 yards downfield. And their passing game is very important, you know, as it was down the stretch last year, too. But they're able to move the ball without Derrick Henry running for 406 yards and three touchdowns, LeGarrette Blunt style game after game. Mm. Yeah, the, the idea of Arthur Smith as a head coaching candidate, the Arthur Smith, the name itself, is holding him back. And yes, he is the son of the FedEx founder, I believe. Or it, I mean, it's it's major. Wow. It's major. His background. Ardex. What if Ardex. we just dropped Arthur Smith entirely and just like started calling him Special Delivery or something? Matt Money Smith. I like that. Matt Money Smith went with something a more simple 
uh, alteration, go by Artie. Artie Smith. Now it looks like a guy I would hire for the Jets to reboot the offense, maybe. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. It has a nice ring to it. <laughs> like it. Um, all right. Good stuff. You locked that up, Connie, huh? I like that. I locked I like it up. That. That's what I did. Yep. Good for Thank you. you. I'm glad I have all of your approval. You're having a good show. I mean, there was that incident early on when you stepped on me uh, when I was trying to transition. Right. Uh, but ever since that, I feel like you've really slid into the analyst role. Uh, right. And Connie, the good thing is Dan will remember that stepping over him 75 years from now. So it's you're in the clear. Well, I listen, I had to push uh, the boundaries to see where they were. And Dan let me know. And I'm very adaptable. So whatever you need me to do, I am here for you. What a team player she is. All right, so the Zeuser is up. Kind of a tough pick because I wanted to check in with Minnesota uh, because I'm not ready to give up the ghost there after that killer loss on Sunday night, but I can't watch the Falcons. I won't do it. So let's go with Cincinnati at Indianapolis. Uh, That is my next pick. And uh, Joe Burrow made to look like a rookie. Uh, by the Baltimore Ravens defense in week five. By the way, the the uh, Ravens defensive coordinator, what's his name again? Wink Martindale. Yeah, Wink. Yeah. Wink getting upset, apparently, that the Cincinnati uh, head coach uh, sent out the field goal unit to get points on the board at the end of that game because the Bengals didn't want to get shut out. I was upset, too. It's gutless. Oh, stop it's it. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. These guys yeah, prepare yeah. Ooh, all let's week. Let's get our little three points. The Spangles and every other NFL team prepares their hardest all week, and when you get you're getting shut out, just put some points on the board. It, it, to get mad about that, I, I don't know. Maybe some karma retribution coming Wait, towards did, the Ravens. Did Wink Martindale have a problem when the Ravens went into LA and beat the Rams like forty five to six on Monday Night Football? Did he issue the same concerning statements about running Probably the score not. up? Probably not. Anyway, that's beside the point. So Cincinnati, yeah, a really bad. Uh, week five, and now they travel to Indianapolis to face the Colts. And uh, the Colts, I know the head coach, Frank Reich, he, he's saying that the quarterback, Philip Rivers, is not on his list of problems. Well, I don't know about that. And they have some issues uh, that go beyond the quarterback, uh, including who's playing around Philip Rivers. Uh, but I need to see Philip Rivers deliver a nice game here and, and light up a Cincinnati defense that is there for the taking in your own building. Go, go mm. blow out the Bengals. It's not, it's not going to alleviate my, my concerns and my doubts of the Colts, which I've had really since Phil River signed there. Uh, but it's going to at least like steady the ship and have people not asking hard questions about what's going on at the top of that depth chart at quarterback. So this on paper looks like an easy Colts win. It's a still maybe a Colts defense that got inflated a little bit in esteem based on their early schedule, but still a defense that I imagine at home should be able to do similar to what the Ravens did to Burrow and company. But if this ends up a close game, if they lose this game and Joe Burrow gets hot and Rivers throws picks, mm. it's going to be a very Ooh. tricky situation in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think Rivers it could be easier for problem. Rivers this week. Go ahead, Colleen. Right? <laughs> well, Not I think, I think it could be a little bit easier <laughs> this week for Rivers because last week, Anthony Costanzo, when he went down their left tackle, the Browns really took advantage, Miles Garrett specifically. And the Bengals, they don't have that same type of pass rush, and Costanzo should be back in this game. So that should really help up front for Rivers. 
Greg. This, this would be a tough matchup, I think, for the Colts. The Bengals' defense has improved way more than the Bengals' offense with Joe Burrow, which is crazy. Burrow's playing well overall until last week. Uh, but the Bengals' defense has been respectable after uh, being terrible all of last year. But all of a sudden, right when they, you, they start to feel good about themselves, they lose Sam Hubbard, who's been playing well, uh, one of their pass rushers. He's on IR. And you lose your biggest free agent signing, DJ Reader, for the season. So this Bengals team... Uh, it's been a lot of tough luck, but they should feel like they can keep this game close because the Colts' offense is just so uninspiring. It's not just Rivers. This is such a run-heavy team in Indianapolis, and they're they're terrible at running the ball. Like yeah, they I mean, the really Colts- miss R- Marlon Mack. They're thirty-first in yards per carry, and Jonathan Taylor. Everyone thinks he can just throw in a, a running back. He's not seeing the field well. He's not like seeing holes well. I, I think he's been struggling a little bit. Been been part of their problem. There's one thing about the Colts that that is not overrated about their defense. They would have lost, I think, by another 14 points to Cleveland if they weren't the best in the entire NFL in open field tackling. I mean, they make Bobby Okariki, some of these guys are making a couple plays on one-on-one matchups in space that I'm just not seeing anywhere else. So I do trust their defense, but I do not trust them to win game to win blowouts unless yep. unless it's like 21 to three. All right, up next, Greg Rosenthal. Oh yeah, let's go. Um, let's go to an ugly one, <laughs> shall we? Let's go to the do? Lions and the Jaguars. I don't know mm, why I'm going ugly. down with this Jaguar ship. I I still believe in this offense. I really do, and I think this is the week everyone's going to pick the Lions to come off of their bye and kind of get right, and things have been going well. And I can just see a scenario where Matt Patricia is is facing more heat than he ever has because the Jaguars' offense is the best group in this game. And I want to see what Patricia did with the bye week. Like, how does he solve what his problems are on defense? Because there's so many of them. And he seems to just kind of roll out the same plan each and every week, and it and it doesn't really work that well. And their offense really isn't isn't hitting big plays either. I know I know Stafford will get some yards and points against this Jaguars team, but I sort of trust the Jaguars still. Maybe I'm wrong a little more in a shootout that, than I do the Lions. Is he going to lock it up? No, no. no. I thought we okay. were going that way. What a I, fake I, out. No, the it's the Jaguars. Come on. Last time we well, saw yeah. the Lions. Well, Go last ahead, time Mark. I saw that, they have five straight touchdown drives, and four of those were for 75-plus yards. This is not a good defense. And when I was high on the Detroit Lions, I thought their defense would grow and that their offense would be a beat-you-up run game. They're none of those things. They're just none of them. And I'm with you, Greg. Watching Jacksonville, Minshew played another good game last week. They've just got some young – I mean, for all the, the flaming <laughs> that the front office gets for all the mistakes they made – they do have a knack for finding productive guys later in rounds. Like James Robinson, he had one terrible, looked like a halfback option pass that turned into a fumble. That was a disaster. But over and over, he is getting yardage. And Minshew, I mean, I know that after this year, they're probably going to find another quarterback if they're high up in the draft. But he played well. He played well, and he does that most weeks. He has a couple stinkers, but you can rely on him to be productive and not make too many mistakes. Their their and, problem, I think that Minshew, I think they're 0-5 now when Minshew throws for 300 yards. And I think their big problem is that their margin of error is so slim that when they make their the mistakes that they make, uh, it just kills them. Like Steven Hauschka, who is high and by – uh, there and how how is Kai Forbath not the kicker uh, in that game in Week Five? He misses two in close field goals. Guy's that really, Kai. 
um, factor in in this game. That bizarre fourth and one call where they gave it to James Robinson and it led to a, a fumble in the red zone. And then Minshew gets the sack fumble turnover, which was a big play that essentially turned the lights out on the game. That was a pretty big turnover by Minshew. So I, I think that those things can't happen because they, they're just not good enough to survive mistakes like that. And that's why they've lost four or five. Yeah, and, and their defense certainly can't hold up when they're missing C.J. Henderson, Miles Jack, and Josh Allen, which mm. they were all out against the Texans. And they're all, they've all been limited this week in practice, but those are three essential parts of the defense, and it really showed when those guys are banged up. It shows how this defense kind of falls off. I'm with you, Greg. Matt Patricia loses to the Jaguars here. I don't know. That's a patient organization for whatever reason in Detroit, but patience has got to hit a limit at certain at a certain point. Up next, Mark Sessler. All right. Well, let's see here. I'm going to go with. Uh, I want to see. I don't want to see any of these games actually. Now that <laughs> nope. I'm looking at what's left, but <laughs> I'm going to have every game's beautiful. Every game's a beautiful flower, Mark. <laughs> Dan, I don't want to pull the Jets away from you if you want to watch that game. Are you being serious right now? Well, they they are playing. I have already announced. I do not watch Jet games that feature Adam Gase and Joe Flacco prominently, so I have no interest. Okay, just wanted to check in with you there. I'm going to go with. um, I'm going to go with the Chargers uh, hosting the Jets, and that's like inviting someone into your house. The Dolphins hosting. The Dolphins hosting the Jets. Let's go with the Dolphins hosting the Jets. Where I am I? Like, I'm all over the place at this point. Wait, this actually, wait, this is, I, I, I wrote my notes incorrectly here, and so I don't want this game, but I'll take it anyways. Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> why not? Started 11 of 13 last week, absolutely flamed the Niners. I wrote in my notes, best court QB performance of the year in that division. I mean, that's not hard to achieve right now, but... Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing out of his well, mind. Josh Allen's in the division. That's kind of hard. I, 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 I understand that. But, I mean, the, watching what he did against that Niners defense, and I, I noted that their secondary was a hot mess. But I give Chan Gailey, who, you know, we've, we've not – I'm with you, Greg. I was not sold on the idea of hiring Chan Gailey five years after he was hanging out in Florida on the beach. But he came in, and he was aggressive, and they just went for it. And I thought that the pass rush was a little more active last game. They made life tough on Jimmy G. Mike Isecki is a legit playmaker. He had a 70-yard catch last week. So this Dolphins team, and I don't, I don't want to like I, – I, you know, I get people on Twitter saying, you project every team into the playoffs. I, I understand that I get a little excited early in the year about some of these teams. I'm not saying that about Miami, but they are – they were not frisky early on, and I thought, are they just going to be the team that takes a step back after we spent all offseason? I did thinking that Brian Flores could be one of the next great coaches and coach them up in a way last year that made them so fun and so frisky. I think we saw some of that against, against mm. the Niners. It's sort of like play loose, go for it. Forget Tua right now. You can't even think about Tua at the moment. And, I, and you know, the Jets, I think we all get it. Um, they've, they've parted ways with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, it's, it's a tough time to be a Jets fan. I've been there as a Browns fan, Dan, where you, it's, it's, it's October, and you'd rather someone else watch the game. It's not fun. And being a fan, part of the deal is it should be fun sometimes. It's not just year after year of turmoil and chaos. And so I, I legit understand why Jets fans at this point would, as they say, you know, go rake leaves. If you have leaves, we don't, we don't have leaves in our yard. But you'd go do that if you do. On to the Go next like game. douse the fire, you know, in the hills behind you. you know, sure. Stuff like that. Put out a forest fire. You Be can't, yeah, you can't uh, judge us against past generations because media is different. Uh, but 
judging by social media now, the Jets fans are out on this team right now. They're out on the organization right now. And you go look at the TV ratings, like Jets fans aren't watching their team uh, because you did the one mm-hmm. thing. The one thing you can't do is take hope away from a fan base. And if they don't have any hope that you're going to play entertaining football, uh, you're just not going to watch. And especially with Joe Flacco playing, Sam Darnold misses another game with that shoulder injury. Uh, I don't know. Ricky, I want to bring in Erica Tamposi, who, yeah, the Jets are on pace for an infamous season, perhaps winless season. Uh, well, Erica can relate to that because she is yet to lock up uh, a single team correctly. Uh, But Ricky, I don't know exactly what she's about to say, but she just did say she wanted to connect with me on something. Erica, what do you got? Well, well, listen here, okay? Let's just look at the facts quickly. The Jets are 0-5. They're last in the league so in points scored. Sam Darnold's so out with the, the shoulder injury. injury, And everyone's You're... questioning Adam Gase's... I'm going to destroy you. Okay. So, so Adam Gase, you know, everyone wants him gone, right? So the Dolphins, like Mark just said, came off an amazing win they against the 49ers. This should be the single-handedly easiest game for the Dolphins all season. I will be at the salon because I sense a blowout, and that's why I'm locking oh. up the Dolphins. Let's go. This it's could be a first this, win for the Jets. Erica, your confidence is so shattered that you're locking up the team that's the Jets are on the road. You're taking that home team. That okay? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want. When the I Jets. look I, actually, in I the mirror, it. I see nothing. Get the W. I, I, <laughs> in no one's in, judge in fairness you. to Erica, her pick last week, the 49ers were actually even bigger favorites somehow than the Dolphins are in this game, and she got that wrong. So you, anything anything can happen. Although probably not with Joe Flacco. Nothing can happen with. Well, this. I feel good about Tampa this. Tampa needs to get right, get right game. Exactly. Ricky, you look I in do. the mirror mm-hmm. when you're at this stage. When you're zero and five, when you look in the mirror, yeah. don't worry about not seeing your reflection. Looking back is a beautiful woman. It's a very sad woman though, and you need yes. this. So mm-hmm. I, I, my, I do my hope. Family I hope crying for you. like in like mirage behind <laughs> me. Like it's it's disgusting, honestly. And I, and right. I have no remorse. Go to the Dolphins team. Let's give them a little love quickly because they are the relevant team. They, I think they could be a playoff contender. I, t- teams that can blow two to NFL teams out like the way that they have, I'm starting to get convinced. Their defense totally different when Byron Jones is in the game. He was back last week. And totally different when they can get a lead and Flores can start cooking up those blitzes because that's kind of what, do you what mean they give do? the Dolphins some respect. Erica is on the show right now picking them yeah. as the lock of the I'm week. I'm just saying we just talked about the Jets for three minutes. I just want to – I I was Greg, I don't need you to police how much my favorite team is discussed show, on the show every show. Year. That's unnecessary. The Dolphins are getting plenty of love with Ricky Hollywood right now. I believe in the Dolphins more, you know, so wholeheartedly more than I believe mm. in Greg to pick a shirt that doesn't blend in with his background. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Yikes. I think we should oh, move I on now because it just yeah, got take me serious. Out. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. Bye, Ricky. All right. Up next, Mark, I believe it's snakes to you, buddy. It does. And I'm going to go Washington at the Giants. Oof. Uh, that's look, bad. Another well, look, week with they, Washington. Look, bottom right. of the barrel operations here. And, you that know, is it, rough. the way this, you pull behind the curtain a little bit for our audio listeners. If they listen to the Sunday night show, suddenly, you know, Nick Shook has some of these. They're wondering the backroom dealings. <laughs> I, I kind of line up a few that might get handed off to someone else, and this might be one of them. Poor I, Shook. Uh, look, it, it's, it's a tough situation. I, these two teams you know, are in, in rough shape. 
for all the good tidings of Alex Smith returning, the, the reality is that with Kyle Allen in there, they threw for 74 yards. Alex Smith came in and threw for 37. So Kyle Allen will be back, and they're going to go through this song and dance. We're going to see all these quarterbacks over and over. Um, Dwayne Haskins has been mentioned as trade bait. Dwayne Haskins is the rare NFL player that has been sick and away from the building for five days, um, is taking COVID tests, and is not testing positive, apparently. But It's a that's gastro a little, illness has been the report, a gastro illness. Well, those can, I guess oh, those can yikes. linger. I mean, I'm not going to Doesn't sound them. pleasant. They had 108 total yards on offense and, and, and suffered eight sacks last week against the Rams. And I understand that Mother Nature was part of that game too, but there was a negative 321 yardage differential between Washington and L.A. And there aren't many other games where mm. you point to outside of a couple minutes hope for this offense. And so it just creates such a long year. And I look at the Giants, and I think this is a winnable game for them because guys like James Bradbury, he has been really good as a cover man for them. Kyler Fackrell has been making plays week after week. You know, and I know that Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown against week one, and he's going to face a lot of pressure in this game. But to me, if the Giants, if they, you, this is another fan base along with the Jets fan base. It's a tough, it's a tough autumn in New York. If the Giants lose this one, you're going to have to start asking a lot of questions about Mm. the front office. I mean, they have a new coach, so you got to give him some rope, but there are problems here. There just isn't a lot of consistency with New York week after week. This is a number 30 against number 31 on the NFL.com power rankings matchup. Ouch. And, yeah, the gastro illness does not sound great for Haskins. I hope he gets well soon. And I think he should be back in the lineup. I understand that we we litigated this or discussed it or however you want to put it, uh, that Ron Rivera doesn't see Dwayne Haskins as part of the future most likely, uh, and, and it's Ron's show in Washington. But – God, I mean, Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, and we love Alex Smith as a comeback story, but he had 2.2 yards per attempt, which makes Blaine Gabbert look like, you know, Joe Namath in the That's AFL. It was pouring out there, Dan. It was I know, but come on now. I mean, is Alex Smith, what, is, what are you proving as an organization when you have a prospect in Dwayne Haskins? It's not, it's, it doesn't matter right now. He's ill, but I think that Haskins should be playing, not these other two guys. Well, Dan, nobody's out of the NFC East yet. It's like the participation trophy division of the entire NFL. So, (laughs) listen, maybe uh, Ron Rivera's, like, still holding out hope that they can get somewhere in this division. It's wide open. Right. To be fair, I guess, to Kyle (laughs) Allen, although, you know, the injury he took was kind of, like, on a hit that he shouldn't have uh, taken. You know, they had a touchdown drive when he was in there, and there, there was too short a sample size to draw much of anything. He's a second-year player. They have a chance to win this game because they have the best unit in this game, which is their defense. I think they're a, a top-10 defense right now. Like Chase Young, who was drafted two picks ahead of uh, Andrew Thomas. I mean, that's a mismatch. Uh, Montez Sweat's been playing well. Ke- Kevin Pierre-Lewis, their linebacker, their, their secondary's been pretty good. Like, they're a top-10 defense. They're the only group in this game that's good. That's like a, a bonus. Like the, the most memorable thing I think that's happened with the Giants this year was Joe Judge pulling down his mask just to yell BS. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say the <laughs> I word just out. I love he, that. He had it up the whole game, then he pulls it down, and he just like yells it out. And that was like the, the defining moment of the Judge, Joe Judge era. I, you know what? That was a great Joe Judge moment. I'm still a fan of when the loose ball fumble recovery drill at the end of training camp. 
uh, when he oh, dove yeah, on the loose true. ball, and everyone gathered around him, and the New York media, with one viral video clip, all decided that Joe Judge was cool now. Uh, but that none of this is actually translating to any wins, so he seems to be in a very difficult spot. All right, take it away, Greg. One more game. Okay, last one up. I guess no one wants to watch the Falcons. I don't mind. I mean... I do mind, but I don't have a choice. You're Falcons, lying. Vikings. It's it's Raheem Morris. It's uh, it's Youngry. You guys, you guys remember, remember when Raheem that. Morris yep. was the coach of the Buccaneers, and he had this uh, slogan, Colleen, called Youngry. He made up T-shirts. That was his big thing. Youngry. Great pull. They were coming off kind. Of- yeah, kind of, kind of a fun season when he was first the coach, and then he came back out. I think they went three and thirteen, and it, it all, uh, it all unraveled. But they improved their defense when he took over the play calling last year, uh, late in the year. So I don't know. Maybe he gives them a, a little bit of juice, but they're overmatched. They're a little healthier right now, but they're playing against the Vikings offense, which I think is pretty good. I think this Vikings offense has gotten it going. Like, they got their Gary Kubiak zone running scheme. They got the deep shots with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. That's not going to get you very far in the NFC East if you keep, I mean, the NFC uh, wildcard race if, you know, you're losing these close games. But I think they'll be fine. I think they'll win games like this, the Minnesota Vikings. I have a little faith in these guys. The Dalvin Cook injury, he strained the groin. We'll see what kind of cook they get alexander madison is a nice backup though so yeah like i was saying i don't want to give up the ghost on the vikings um and their schedule if they can get a win here and get to two and four they got a really hard game the next week at lambeau but then uh you get lions bears cowboys panthers jaguars so as long as you don't totally bury yourself i think they can get back into this Mm. wild card race however and we, you know, hit it hard on Sunday night for obvious reasons. That was an unbelievably gut-wrenching loss for them against the Seahawks because they outplayed Seattle for so much of that game, and it had a chance to turn around the whole season. And then when you can't close, you've now put yourself in a very difficult position. So you're going to get one of two Vikings teams. You're going to get the mad as hell, angry, we are going to take out all our frustration on a crappy Falcons team, which I think is the path we're going to go here. Or you're going to get the Mm -hmm. the Vikings team that's in the tank because they had all their um, love and joy and energy pumped into that Sunday night football game. And when they get their soul sucked Mm. out by Russell Wilson, it's now, you know, bye-bye time for them. So I am actually kind of interested in this game. It was just the Falcons depressed me so much right now that I couldn't pull the trigger on drafting them. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Julio Jones plays, what his status is, but... I mean, this is a Vikings team who got after Russell Wilson pretty pretty good uh, in that game. But they have nine turnovers on offense and only four takeaways on defense. So they got to start right there and clean up the turnover differential for sure. Yeah, I think like the Falcons are uniquely broken right now. And so I, I'm with you. I, the, the Vikings, that's a tough loss to come off of. But I think that I mentioned that I thought that the Seahawks were the most more resilient team in that matchup for the way that they closed it out. But I don't think the Vikings are a we're going to give up on the season type of operation. Now, my one note from that game, um, well, it was one of my notes, that Adam Thielen, when he gets into these little touchdown dances where they walk up and all stare at each other on that television, he likes to get real wiggly with his body. I I noticed, um, (laughs) if you go back and track that, it was a very interesting touch. Yeah, it was just like, it wasn't like a white guy dance. It was like he was really getting into his dancing. 
Uh, we can. I'll, I will find it and forward it to you, and the listeners they can mm. do the same. And my second note was that: Am I wrong in thinking? I feel like every um, every what could person, top the first note? What could top the first note? Well, no, this is just another general Vikings observation. But I feel like everyone had a high school friend who looked exactly like Kirk Cousins. Like I have like two or three friends that look exactly like Kirk Cousins. When you go back to like like the early '90s. And it just he just has like that '90s type of guy look or something. No, you're you're, you're totally to right. You're a notes. little bit. What was that, Connie? I said I would love to see the rest of his notes on that game. No, yeah, the, a lot more. <laughs> he has such a because you're a little bit older than us, Mark, and you were right in the middle of that early '90s, um, 90210 era of life. I could picture him wearing like the circle glasses. And the turtleneck with the sweater. Well, a lot older like, than Colleen, to be clear. You know. Yes, that to be I clear. Like we're could all be the a, same age. Thank you, you be, for clarifying that. Greg. You could be Colleen's the, the, dad. You could. Be thank you. Dad. That the listener Everyone's... cannot already, already deduce that. Thank you for pointing that out. I, that I am. I am much older than, than Colleen. Yes, I am. All right, we're, Greg, all, we're all young and vibrant. <laughs> I did. I. I I like that the Vikings are embracing that they're an offense first team. They're like going for it on fourth down. That was part of the thing. They're doing that a lot. They're they're a bombs away team. They remind me a little bit of the Bills, who are also embracing, uh, you know, their offense first team. And it helps me with that transition. Clean up a big mistake I made earlier in the Bills game. I totally forgot to lock up the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Oh. I blew it. But, you know, I want to get this in the podcast. It's tricky. We're on video now. So, like, the, the flow, sometimes it doesn't come back to you. You don't want to interrupt sure. or anything. But just, just for the podcast listeners, uh, when you have the chance to take Patrick Mahomes uh, coming off a loss, you, you do that. You lock him up. What a moment in show history here, Greg. <laughs> good. That was good. We needed that for posterity. Okay. Good stuff, Connie. I don't know what else to say. You stepped in and you killed it and... We miss having you around, so it's great whenever you stop by, uh, you bring sunshine to the Around the NFL podcast. Well, I miss you guys, and anytime, anytime you guys need me, uh, just no Thursdays. Any other it, Thursday but this one. And it is funny, I'm like last here. time you were on our show a couple weeks ago, you talked about inviting us over your house, but that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, no big deal. Next weekend, mark it down. We're social distancing. It's going to be fine. Smart. All right, great. This is the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United, United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, signing off for the quiet storm, the old boss, the tiny box, and the great Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday night. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. So what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Restrictions apply.